0: Welcome to the Access Church Podcast, where you can get life-changing and life-giving content to help you in your lifelong pursuit of Jesus Christ. My name is Garrett Black, and I'm the pastor of Access Church, and I want to thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast today. Feel free to follow us or subscribe on any podcast platform that you use to find our content. But even better yet, if you are in the west suburbs of Chicago, we meet in Glen Ellen, Illinois, each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We'd love to have you with us. If you want more information about who we are or how to join us for worship on Sunday, visit accesschurch.com. That's spelled A-X-E-S-S church.com, accesschurch.com. Well, let's get into our podcast today. Uh, Today's topic is something that I had to wrestle with as I was preparing. It's the topic of excellence. And the reason why I had to wrestle with it is because as a pastor, it dawned on me, is it kind of manipulative to talk about excellence? And so when you add into the mix, when you have a pastor, a leader of a church, talking about the need for excellence, I don't know, it just felt a little bit Like it could be easily manipulative to try to get your church to do better in serving and doing things around the church, do a better job. It could come off as a little bit harsh and it can come off as a little bit condescending and putting down the people in your church. And so I really had to wrestle through this, this topic of excellence and I really wanted to make sure that is this a biblical concept? And is this something that God calls us to? And is it something that is truly honoring to God? Or is this something that we use to get people to just do a better job in church? And so I hope that by the end of this episode, I clarify the position that I ended up taking on that topic. But I want to start off by giving you an overview of the biblical narrative, because I think it'll give us a good um, starting point in a good framing for this topic of excellence. As we all know, God created everything. He created the earth, he created the plants, he created the, the fish in the sea, the water that we drink, the air that we breathe, and he definitely created us. And one of the unique things about us as humanity, as human beings, is that God created us to be image bearers. We find this in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. That was something that was unique about humanity that he did not give to anything else that he created. He did not create the trees to be image bearers or the fish in the sea or the beasts in the field, but he created us to be image bearers of him. And what that looks like is it's not in our physical appearance. It is image bearing in the sense of we represent God in creation. So he created us to rule over creation the way that he would rule over creation. And as we do that, creation should flourish, it should prosper because of our ruling over it. We think of rule unfortunately in very tyrannical and oppressive terms nowadays. There's not there's not a lot of good examples of ruling in, in leadership nowadays. We just see a lot of negative examples. And and again, it brings destruction. It brings pain and hurt. This is not the kind of ruling that God had in mind when he said, rule over my creation he had in mind his type of rule. When God rules over something because he's good, because he's loving, because he cares, it prospers and it brings life to it. And this is what his intention was for us to be image bearers over creation. He wanted us to be image bearers, not only over creation, but also in our relationship with each other and also in our relationship with him. So he wanted us to represent him in all ways. But obviously we know that that did not go as planned. Adam and Eve, they diverted from the plan of God. Um, They they still remain image bearers. That's not something that can be taken from us. We all are image bearers. Even when we live in sin, we are still image bearers of God. It is something that is unique to us and cannot be taken away. But what can happen is we are unable when we live a life of sin We're actually unable to adequately represent God. We give a fractured, imperfect, broken picture of what it looks like to be an image bearer when we live in sin. And so Adam and Eve, when they decided to eat of the apple, that's what they did. They set humanity on a course um, of pain and destruction, and things got worse and worse and worse and worse, all the way up to Genesis um, 11. And so what God did was he essentially restarted in a way. He restarted what he started in the garden, but he said, I'm going to choose somebody else. And, and one thing you see in scripture all the time is God will choose one person and start with them and begin. He always starts small and then grows from there. So he chooses this man named Abram and he calls him to leave his father's household, to leave the land that he knew and grew up in and to go to a land that he will show him but specifically, this is, what he, this is what he says to Abram. He says in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So, God sets forth this plan, and this plan is that He's going to use this man, Abram. He's going to start a new nation through this man named Abram, but ultimately, it's so that they will be a blessing. Yes, God is going to bless them. He's going to prosper them, but it's so that they can be a blessing. What does this sound like? This sounds like Genesis 1 all over again. God creates humanity in his image so that they would rule over creation. What does that mean? So they would be a blessing to creation. So that creation would prosper under their rule. So God is doing this all over again through Abram. He's saying, I want to bless you and I want to bless your ancestors, those who come in your lineage, so that you will be a blessing and others will be blessed by you. But there's a contingency in there. God also brings in this word cursing. There's also a flip side to this, which is people can be cursed because of Abram not only because of their response to Abram, as God specifically says, whoever curses you, I will curse, but also Abram can inadvertently be a curse to somebody. And this is how. We see this when Abram goes to Egypt with his wife, Sarah, but he decides to lie. He says that Sarah is not his wife, but that it's his sister. And so the the royal palace takes in Uh, Sarah thinking it's Abram's sister, and all these curses begin to fall on the palace and those within the palace, and they go back to Abram and find out that he lied about it, and they say, take her and get out of here. What happened? Well, you see, Abram, he decided to submit to fear rather than God, and so he walked in fear and lied, and he brought curses down On the royal palace instead of blessing. Because he was no longer submitting himself to God, he decided to submit himself to fear and insecurity. He stepped outside of God's promise and stepped into the lie of the enemy. But by contrast, you have people like Joseph in Daniel, Now, a similarity that you have in these stories, especially between Joseph and Abram, this was a very intentional uh, narrative layout by the writer of Genesis. You have uh, Abram going to Egypt and being a curse, but then you have Joseph going to Egypt, which represented the world system of the time, and he is a blessing to them. Daniel, as well, goes to Babylon also representative of the world system of that time. It was the premier force in the world. Daniel goes to Babylon, and he as well is a blessing to Babylon. Well, what's the difference? Well, these men, they remain faithful to God. Joseph was tempted uh, sexually by Potiphar's wife when Potiphar was out of town, And Joseph ran away. He literally ran from temptation. He remained faithful to God. He did not bow down to the temptation that was brought before him. And Daniel as well, he was tempted to worship an idol. He was told that he needed to bow down to the golden statue when he heard the music play, and he refused to do it. These men remained faithful to God, and so they were a blessing to the places that they were in instead of a blessing curse. And the ultimate win here wasn't just that they weren't killed, it wasn't just that they were a blessing, but in both situations, Yahweh, God, was recognized on their lives because of the faithfulness that they walked in. But the real win here wasn't just that they were not killed, the real win wasn't just that the land was, was blessed and, and prosperous because of them being there. The real win was that in both circumstances, God was recognized for who he was because of their faithfulness, because of their blessing that they poured out on the cities that they were in. And this is the real win. We, God needs to be known God needs to be known in the world. The world needs to recognize God. That's the ultimate blessing that we can bring as Christians is to reveal God, to make God known, and that is what Joseph and Daniel did through their faithfulness to God. But what did Joseph and Daniel both possess? They possessed excellence. They excelled in what they did, and they were known for what they excelled in. Joseph combined the prophetic insight that God gave him regarding the famine that was coming and He excelled in wise preparation, and he excelled in graceful management of resources, and he blessed the entire region around Egypt, including his own family, without even realizing that was going to happen. But he did it all because God was with him, and a spirit of excellence was upon him. Daniel, he excelled in his studies, he excelled in his leadership, and he also excelled in dream interpretation. It's interesting how that happened. In both of these stories is the ability to interpret dreams, the ability to know what only God can know because God enabled them to do it. This excellence that they carried with them because God was with them is what enabled the leaders of the world system to recognize that God was with them. God was with them. Overall, excellence is a blessing excellence is a blessing. Tell me that you have not been blessed by great customer service. You know you you know you've been blessed when your server's great. You know you've been blessed when the drive-through line moves quickly and efficiently. You know you've been blessed when someone comes out to service your dishwasher and they do it well and they get the job done well. You're blessed by it. Why? Because they were excellent. They were efficient. They did it well. It's a blessing. But how how have you been not blessed? by bad customer service? How have you been not blessed by the food lines that move slow and inefficient and they get your orders wrong? Why? Because when someone's not excellent, when they're not efficient, it's not a blessing. It's so cut and dry. Excellence is a blessing all around. So we would do well as Christians to recognize that excellence is not just something that is dangled in front of us as something to strive after that we need, to, we need to do to get the favor of the people around us or to feel like we're worth something. No, excellence is a quality that God possesses and he created us in his image and he calls us to walk in excellence because it's actually a fulfillment of his plan to bless the world through us. So, as we uphold this principle of excellence, let's look at a few things that are going to help us and enable us to grow in our excellence. So, let's start at the beginning of the story in Daniel 1. We find this interaction between Daniel and the guard that's placed over Daniel. Now, this guard's responsibility was to train Daniel, as the text says, for three years so that he would be ready to enter into the king's service. And the first thing this guard uh, allots to him is his food portion. And he says that your portion of food and wine is going to come from the king's table. Now, anybody, if you're not thinking about it, would get excited right away. If it's coming from the king's table, it's got to be good, right? The king eats the best. So the fact that it's coming from the king's table, that's, that should have been a compliment. That should have been something to get excited about for Daniel. But Daniel actually stops the guard and he's got the boldness to say, actually, I don't want to eat that because that's going to defile me. Now to be defiled is to lower your status. He's saying that food that you're offering me, I know it sounds great to you because it's coming from the king's table, but that's actually going to defile me. It's going to affect my ability to be excellent. It's going to affect my ability to perform the way that you want me to perform. Daniel was claiming to know better than the guard and to know better than the system that they had in place. But above all, what Daniel was really saying is, I know what's going to help me to be excellent. I know what's going to help me to function at a high level. And it's not what you're offering me. It's something different. The first thing we need to know if we're going to walk in excellence is you need to know what's going to help you be excellent and you need to know what's not going to help you be excellent. We need to exercise discernment and the things that we are using to grow or in our negligence we can actually be doing things that are stunting or hindering our growth and it's not advancing us towards excellence. This applies to all areas of our lives. This is not just within the church. This is not just within your Christian walk. This is in all areas of our lives. You see, the Bible calls us disciples of Jesus. What is a disciple? I think in simple terms, a disciple is a learner. It is a learner, somebody who is committed to learning, So overall, we need to be learners in all areas of our lives. And what that looks like pertaining to excellence is in your workplace, in your relationships, in your hobbies, everything, you are still a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are still a learner. So we should push in and discern things that are going to help us to be Excellent. Just because something has always been done a certain way doesn't mean it's the most excellent way for it to be done. The guard had this attitude without even realizing it. He walked up to Daniel and he probably thought that was was going to be an easy conversation. Hey, here's your food. He didn't even think twice about the fact that Daniel might say, "Actually, no, that's not that's not good food. There's actually something better out there." The guard had the "This is how we've always done it" attitude. Part of excellence and part of finding those things that are going to advance us towards excellence is being open and willing to say, just because we've done it a certain way doesn't mean it's the best way to do it. This requires a critical mindset, to be a critical thinker in a good way, to actually examine things. There's things that we do in church that just because we've always done it that way doesn't mean it's the best way to do it. There's ways that you've approached your job. There's ways you've approached your relationships. Just because it's always been done that way or just because it was a model to you that way doesn't mean it's always the most excellent way. So being a critical thinker will allow us to discern what is actually good for us and what is actually going to advance us towards excellence in everything that we do. Another thing that's super important is this. Be excellent for God and for no one else. Be excellent for God and for no one else. You see, Daniel had every reason in the world to not be excellent for Babylon and for the king's service and for the guard that was placed over him. He had every reason to withhold his excellence, to withhold his skill, to withhold the things that he had in anger, in bitterness, in protest. You see, Daniel was a part of a group of people that were taken from their homeland against their will and brought to Babylon and told, you will work for the king. You will learn our culture. You will learn to do the things that we do so that you can build our kingdom. Daniel had every reason to say, Forget you. I'm not helping you out. I'm not going to bless you with my talents. I'm not going to bless you with the things that I have. He had every right to say, Forget you. But you see, Daniel wasn't doing it for them. Daniel wasn't walking in excellence to try to impress them. Daniel wasn't walking in excellence to try to preserve his life. Daniel was walking in excellence as an act of worship to God. That's why he walked in excellence. We know that he wasn't trying to preserve his life and find favor with them because he constantly was actually having his life threatened because of his worship to God. He refused to bow down to the idol. He was thrown into the lion's den, but he was saved. Why? Because he continued to worship God. That was his number one goal, was to worship God no matter what look, I don't know where you go to church. I don't know where you serve, but I can, tell, I can tell you there will come a day when somebody will make you upset. They might offend you. They might do something that you don't like. They may make a decision or a change that you don't agree with. And so often our response is to say, all right, well, I'm done. I'm not helping anymore. Or if I'm there, I'm not going to give it my all. I'm not going to be present. I'm not going to be present with my abilities and talents. I'm not going to be present relationally. I'm going to, I'm going to withhold what I have to offer in protest because I don't like something or I don't agree with something. And I think the shift here is that you're not there for them. You're not there for your pastor. You're not there for your team leader. You're not there for the cute girl or cute boy that you're trying to impress. That's not why you're doing these things. You are doing it as an act of worship to God. Excellence belongs to Him. So when you walk in excellence, it's an act of worship to God. It is not something to attract attention from other people or to grow in favor of other people. Yes, that happens naturally when you walk in excellence, but that should never be our goal in walking in excellence our goal in walking in excellence should be to honor God and no one else. The last thing that excellence does, and I think this is I think this is pretty profound if you think about it, excellence brings an ease to knowing God and encountering God. Excellence makes it easy to know God and encounter God. You see, the opposite of blessing is cursing. In the book of Genesis specifically, when we see curse, there's this idea of things becoming burdensome and toilsome. When Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden and God spoke of the curse that would come because of their actions, he said there would be pain in childbirth and he said that you will have to work The ground. He talked about the sweat of Adam's brow working the ground to get it to produce. The curse was this burden. It it became difficult when it didn't have to be. And the blessing was just the opposite. Like a well-oiled machine, things were easy because that's what blessing does. When Daniel and Joseph, when they walked in excellence in the things that they did, the end result was that God, Yahweh, was recognized by the leaders of those kingdoms because of the excellence that they walked in. You see, their excellence made it easy for them to know God, to understand who He was. And in the same way, when we walk in excellence Specifically now, I'm thinking about in the church. When we walk in excellence in the things that we do, it makes it easier for people to encounter God. It makes it easier for people to know God. It makes it easier for them to walk into the blessing of knowing God. When we practice our worship When we excel in our ability to worship musically and in the presentation of it, again, it's not a show, we're not doing this for people, but when we do it as an act of worship to God, what happens is we create an ease for people to enter into worship. We create an ease for people to encounter God because we have prepared well, we've removed obstacles from the way from people encountering God in the way that we plan for church and plan for our special event and the way that we plan to follow up with guests the way that we plan to pray with people after uh, after worship and the way that we plan out our discipleship and the way that we plan out our systems we make it easier for people to know god and encounter god one of my favorite stories in scripture that ties into this is the man Uh, whose friends brought him and lowered him before Jesus, the paralytic man, They, they tore through the roof of the place that Jesus was at and they lowered this paralytic man down in front of Jesus and the man ultimately gets healed and walks away. But what can't be missed about that story is the fact that going through the roof was not the easiest way to get that man in front of Jesus. The easiest way would have been just to walk through the door, but that route wasn't available because all these people were crowding around the doors, blocking the doorways to just watch Jesus and, and, and to see what he was doing. Now there's some people like this paralyzed man and and his friends that regardless of what's in the way, they're going to find a way to get before Jesus. They're going to make it happen regardless, but you have to recognize There's a lot of people that are not going to put in that kind of effort. If there is not an easy way to get before Jesus, they're going to miss out. They're not going to put the effort in. And some may say, oh, well, that's on them. That's their fault. Or we can say, as the church, how about we find ways to eliminate obstacles and make it easier for them to get to Jesus? That is our responsibility as the church we are there to help people get to Jesus. And one of the ways of doing that is when we walk in excellence, we remove unnecessary obstacles that stand before people in Jesus. And we remove those obstacles so they can get to him easier. I hope that all this is making sense to you. But above all, I hope that it comes through that, at least for me, this is healing for me, that excellence is not just some motivational tool to get people to do better. Excellence is truly a quality of God that He calls us to walk in because we belong to Him. Excellence in our life is a testimony to who God is. And excellence is actually an act of worship to God. When we take the things seriously that God has given to us and we grow them, we prosper them for Him, It's honoring to God, and it's that kind of excellence that's going to bless the world and bless the people around you, ultimately to the point of them confessing that Jesus Christ is King because He's the one that's responsible for the excellence that we walk in. Well, I hope that you were blessed today by our episode on excellence I just want to encourage you that no matter what God has called you to do, whether you're on the platform speaking, whether you're playing a guitar, whether you're restocking the pens at the Welcome Center, or whether you are working at Burger King, no matter what God has called you to do, it is not lesser than anybody else's calling. And the, the, the mission still remains the same. Walk in excellence as a testimony to the God that is with you and that you serve.